You're listening to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, where we firmly believe food should fuel your life, not restrict it. Each week, one of our registered dietitian nutritionists will motivate and educate you with accurate and reliable nutrition information to help you achieve your health goals using food. Whether you struggle with yo-yo dieting, weight loss, portion control, or simply just understanding the right eating patterns to get real, lasting results, you're in the right place. I'm Dietitian Kate, nutrition expert, ex-cardio bunny turned barbell junkie, and your host for today's episode. Are you ready to dive in? What's up, everybody? It's time for our sweetest episode yet. I'm here with Megan. What's going on? I'm on the podcast again. I know. This is our third (laughs) one in a row or three consecutive weeks. Yeah. We're talking about sugar addiction today. Probably one of the most controversial topics in the nutrition community. Agreed. There are some people who, I mean, I guess this is like with every topic, who swear that it's addictive, and then there are people that say it's absolutely not addictive. So we're going to kind of go through some of the evidence, some of our own opinions, some of our own experiences with clients and ourselves about whether or not sugar is addictive, and then hopefully provide you with a little bit of guidance if you do feel like you depend on sugar more than the average person. Um, one of the things that I'm just going to go right out and, and get into this is I have never worked with a person who either believes or has been told they are addicted to sugar that is also fueling their body in a good way. Yeah. So I, again, like someone's fueling their body in a good way, giving their body all the nutrients that they need. I've never met a person who's doing that who also says or has been told that they are addicted to sugar. Yep, exactly. I feel like the sugar addiction or even people who say like, oh, I feel like I'm addicted to carbohydrates. I feel like it's a little bit more perceived based on their own experience and where they are now versus actually provable and I think when you compare it to other addictions, other substance addictions like tobacco, you can easily influence how you feel about those foods based on your overall pattern of eating and lifestyle. And that's not to say, it's not to take anything away from you by saying like you're not addicted to sugar. It can still be very, very hard, very difficult for you to stay away from sugar and you can still have all of those thoughts and feelings of an addiction. That's not to take anything away from you, but it is, I am trying to say that if you were to change some things in the way that you eat, in the way that you fuel your body and making sure that you're getting everything that you need, those physiological responses of your body pushing you to eat sugar would greatly decrease. Sure. One thing that you and I both were thinking about when we were watching this, we watched a webinar about sugar addiction, which kind of sparked this idea to talk about it on the podcast in more of a down-to-earth conversational matter, was hunger versus the hedonic perception of food. So hunger would be when you have a physiological need and desire for calories, for energy, for survival, versus hedonic eating is when you eat solely on pleasure. And so when we look at those two comparisons, it can be easy to see, okay, sometimes it's easier to eat for pleasure and eat a bunch of sugar because it tastes good versus actually because you're hungry. And that hedonic drive for sugar or highly palatable foods like fat, cake, 
pizza, ice cream, all those things can make us feel like we're addicted to something just because we have this drive to eat it because it tastes good. But that's not necessarily addiction. It's just a desire that you may or may not have the tools to say no to. Right. Think about anything else in your life that gives you a good feeling that you like to do. That doesn't mean you're addicted to that thing just because you like to go do it. You might like to go throw darts with your friends on Friday nights doesn't mean you're addicted to it. Like you don't have a problem with it. It feels good. So you like to do it and you like to repeat that activity or that behavior. Cake tastes good. So you like to eat it. You like to repeat that activity or behavior. That does not mean that you are addicted to cake because it tastes good or because when it's in your house, you feel like you have to eat it. I don't think that that equals an addiction. Part of me kind of wonders, and tell me your opinion on this, when people say, oh, I'm addicted to carbohydrates, I'm addicted to sugar, it's almost like pointing the finger at something else that they can't control. I think when you say that you're addicted to some kind of food substance, it almost takes you out of the driver's seat of your own health. It's a lot easier to blame sugar or pizza or cake or food for where you are right now than to point the finger back at yourself and be like, oh no, I don't have self-control or I haven't taken an initiative to overcome this perceived addiction. I'm just going to let it control me. And you can do that with any kind of um, unproven addiction in life. I just think of relationships, right? You can Mm -hmm. think like, oh, I'm addicted to this person. That's why I can't move on. That's why I'm so lonely. That's why I can't find a relationship that sticks because I'm so addicted to him or her. Well, food, I feel like could be a a similar argument. Yep. And I think the, the thing that's really hard about food is that the answer for most addictions is completely abstaining from that addiction. So whether it's a person that you're in a bad relationship with or some kind of a substance, a a drug, the answer is abstaining from it. You can't do that with food. Mm -mm. Smoking, you can throw down the cigarettes and never have to pick one up again. It's not going to hurt your health. But with food, it's something that you have to be exposed to every day, multiple times a day for the rest of your life. So there's no answer to it that's just okay just don't eat that thing at least I don't think that that's the answer I think that is sweeping the problem under the rug and just not facing the issue by saying well I'm just not going to eat sugar right because as soon as you allow yourself to have sugar again which for most people is going to happen eventually right some people have the willpower to abstain from sugar for months to weeks or I mean to not I meant to say weeks to months, right? Talking's hard. And some people can only do it for a few days, but once you allow yourself to have that sugar again, it's going to be a lot harder to portion control and you're going to have that binge type of eating episode. And that's only gonna propel those feelings of addiction because you're abstaining, you're abstaining, and then as soon as something happens where sugar is right in front of you and they have the opportunity to eat it again, it's going to be harder just to stop at one cookie. You're going to have five or six and then go home and eat a bunch of ice cream and you're going to have a binge. And that's what makes you feel addicted because that urge, it just feels compulsive. Yeah. And I I think as a treatment, a lot of counselors or even other dietitians or people who are in this field um, talk a lot about trigger foods and people having, you know, certain foods that trigger them to binge and abstaining from those certain foods. I have a bit of a controversial opinion there, which I think, again, that's just delaying the problem. You know, if ice cream is your trigger food and you can't have ice cream in the house and every time you have ice cream, you eat the entire pie until it makes you sick and you throw up or whatever, it makes you feel guilty. 
I don't think the answer to that is just to never eat ice cream again because you're going to be faced with ice cream at some point in your life. And I don't think there should be any foods that you fear or that have control over you. It is just a food. It's not grabbing you and holding you down and making you eat it. So if there are these certain foods that you find that you just cannot control yourself around, we need to figure out why that is. Like what is the underlying issue and we need to take it and hit it head on or else in some point in your life, it's going to keep coming back up if you don't deal with it. Just like any other emotion. If you don't deal with it, whether it's a death that you have to deal with or some kind of other trauma that you have to deal with and you push it down you push it down eventually it's going to come back out in another way when we look at the research that they've done about sugar addiction they can even see from rat studies that rats that were allowed to have smaller servings of sugar every single day didn't have those binge type eating behaviors they were able to have a little bit and not have that same response to the rats that were given you know, massive amounts of sugar and not having a controlled diet and being exposed to them, you know, in large quantities. So what I see that is, okay, if we look at the rat studies, if you allow yourself to have a little bit of sweetness or goodness more frequently, you're less likely to have those addictive behaviors associated with those foods. You can have a little bit of ice cream multiple times per week, have a small portion of it and do just fine and not feel like you're controlled by that food. As humans, we like to break rules. Like, let's face it, that's just our natural state of being is like you get a little rush from breaking a rule. Um, This kind of goes hand in hand with the conversation I had with a client yesterday about alcohol. And she does not allow herself to drink at all throughout the week. But Saturdays are her drinking day. So she found that like this past Saturday, she was super busy and hadn't drank anything. And then she looked at her looked at the clock and it was 10 p.m. She was like, oh my God, I haven't drank yet today. I have to go get it all in. I got I got to drink something. And it was like this thought in her mind of like, I have to get this all in today because today is my Saturday, so I have to drink. Whether she actually really wanted to have a cocktail or not. So I'm like, okay, we need to relax some of these rules here because there's nothing in the world that's telling you you can only drink within this one 24-hour period and you got to fit seven cocktails in within that period. So just like with sugar or with anything else, We need it to be something that you allow in your life so you're not going towards it just because of a certain rule that you need to break or you need to adhere to. I think that's really powerful because oftentimes we put rules and excessive control about things we don't trust. We try Mm -hmm. to control those things that we don't trust using our our food intake as an example. If we don't trust our body and ourselves to regulate what we're eating, then we're gonna put rules around what we're eating. It's just kind of a defense mechanism because we don't trust ourselves. So with alcohol and this client, it's like she's putting all these rules around her alcohol intake because she doesn't trust herself to be able to regulate what she's drinking. So with food, if you are doing that, if you're saying, oh, I'm only allowing myself to have um, sugar once a month or only on weekends, it's because you don't trust yourself around sugar and you don't trust your body to be able to tell you what it needs and what's best. The way you break that cycle is to put in some hard work that might be kind of dirty and ugly at first, but start to allow yourself to have no rules and break those rules and get in touch with your body. Learn to build that trust with yourself that you can enjoy treats here and there without feeling like you have to put a bunch of restrictions on them and put a bunch of rules around what you can and can't have. You're exactly right because she doesn't trust herself about any kind of meal, whether she's eaten too much or eaten too little because we took away the tracker for her 
And um, in the conversation that we had, we we talked about how trackers didn't exist until 15 years ago. And she's like, well, even before that, I was writing my calories down in a notebook in high school. I'm like, yeah, girl, me too. I know. I've been there. But think about it. Our bodies didn't need that in order to regulate how much we were eating. So throughout evolution, like we have been able to regulate how much we need to eat and how much we don't need to eat. So it's not that you have to have all these numbers or this certain amount of thing that you're you're hitting because your body can regulate that but when you don't trust yourself it's a lot of work to get back to that point where you can trust your body to send you those signals sure and we've talked about tracking on this podcast before when you think about our ancestors you know a long time ago before calorie tracking existed well there were also a lot less options for foods for them too so i can see the argument of okay well tracking your food can kind of help you see where you're getting your food sources from you can kind of look at it and see like oh maybe i am eating a lot more xyz than i really need and it's causing me to feel this and it's causing me to look this way well then you can use that as data to say okay where can i put my effort where can i put my energy to improve my diet what things can I eat more of so I therefore eat less of XYZ that's causing me to feel ABC? But you don't need to be tracking every little thing you eat as a means to control because that's when you just kind of lose your ability to regulate your own hunger and ability to regulate your own satiety. I mean, if sometimes, I mean, I know I used to do this, I used to track everything I ate, and even if I wasn't hungry, If I had, you know, 40 grams of protein macros and 20 grams of carbohydrate macros left, I felt like I had to eat that even when I wasn't even hungry. And doing that for months and months and months, it made it really, really hard for me to be able to tell myself like, oh, you're actually not hungry. You don't need food just because you pre-planned it in your tracker. Mm -hmm. And the same goes when you're putting a bunch of rules around yourself with sugar. If you're only letting yourself have sugar on Saturday, but you don't want it on Saturday, (laughs) but then Monday comes around and you really do want it. Shit, I didn't eat my sugar. Yeah, come Saturday, you're probably going to binge on that sugar when you allow yourself to have it again, whether you want it or not. Yeah, and and I think so talking in in terms of like practical things that you can do this may seem counterintuitive but most of my people that crave sugar and crave carbohydrates are those same people that avoid sugar and avoid carbohydrate and are afraid of them and say that they're addicted to them or they need to stay away from them um so i think the first thing that you need to do is make sure that you are having a complex carbohydrate source with fiber in it and with nutrients in it something like blueberries sweet potatoes beans lentils it does not have to be bread. Like I know people are like, oh my God, she's saying I need to eat bread with every meal. She's saying I need to have pasta all the time. No, I'm not. There are plenty of foods with naturally occurring carbohydrates in them that can actually help bring down those cravings that you're having. The reason why you're having the cravings is because your body is trying to tell you that I need energy and I need that energy from carbohydrates. So if you don't give me that, I'm going to increase this craving that I'm having until you give it to me. And the quickest way to curb a craving for energy is with sugar. So if you're getting ahead of those cravings before they happen, that will automatically bring down some of those feelings that you're getting throughout the day of wanting sugar. So I think that's kind of step one, 101, bring down the the carb cravings. Yeah. Whenever I look at somebody's food tracker, if they're counting and looking at what they're eating and they tell me right off the bat, I have cravings all the time. I feel like I do so good during the day, but then the weekend or nighttime comes and I can't control myself around cereals, chocolates, ice cream. 
I'm like, what does good mean? What does eating good yeah. mean? And that almost always means really, really low calorie. Salad and chicken for lunch. Yep, and low carbohydrate. <laughs> it's it's like, oh, I hardly have breakfast. I might have black coffee, maybe half a grapefruit. That chicken salad for lunch with hardly anything on it. Maybe a light snack in the middle of the day. And then it's like binge. And it's because your body is saying, I need energy. Like you were saying, Megan, I need quick energy. I need it now. And it's going to send those signals harder and harder and here's a problem too is some people find that they have more quote willpower and they learn oh i can go a few days without giving in to my craving i can exert this willpower but willpower is finite it can't last you forever and ever for most of us it can't last us through the week and if you try to fight the willpower that craving and that urge to eat just gets stronger and stronger and that's what results in that craving that binge and then you just blame it on oh i'm addicted to carbohydrates i'm addicted to carbohydrates so i have to abstain from them and you get caught in this cycle over and over and over again when the solution which scares the pants off some people i mean this is like the weird sick pleasure i get as a dietitian i don't know about you (laughs) megan but when i tell people i'm like no you need to eat carbohydrates like no eat that sweet potato it's okay eat the bread if you want to allow yourself to eat the best of those sources don't restrict them and then you, you'll see those cravings, those physiological cravings at least, are going to go away. Physiological cravings are always going to um, overpower willpower at some point. Mm-hmm. And some people, it's stronger. You know, they can only make it a day. And then other people can make it a week or even months. Uh, but eventually, your physiological need will overpower you. You know where I see that to be true that I think a lot of people might notice also is when you look at people that did uh, bodybuilding or physique competitions yes they go on and on and on without having any kind of sugar sweet a large serving of carbohydrates because it's part of the sport I mean if you want to look lean and vascular and ripped well you decrease your caloric intake and you don't hold on to water and carbohydrates hold on to water so you'll see these traditional meal plans where they taper off the carbohydrates etc etc and then you see all these people these people who are super tan and they're all glammed up and they're in their bikinis and they're in their little short short speedos just binging on donuts and cake (laughs) and the weight comes on rapidly and if they retire from the sport a lot of people say that they have a lot of food problems and they have a lot of sugar reliance and i you know you can't help but to wonder is that you know coming from those months and cycles of restriction restriction binge restriction binge yeah um I think another another thing that I wanted to make sure that we covered today that that was really important in my life was artificial sweeteners. Mm. So I was addicted to Splenda through college, I would say, um, because like zero calories and you can make things taste sweet. Amazing, right? Um, and now I think Truvia and the uh, Stevia-based sweeteners are a lot more popular now and people are kind of getting away from the Splenda, but... People are still doing a lot of the diet drinks, like the vitamin water zero, Powerade zero, calorie-free lemonades, and all of those kind of things to kind of curb sweet cravings. And the first thing, um, and they were talking about this in the webinar, is that natural sweeteners, so-called natural sweeteners, most of them are not natural. Mm -hmm. So that Truvia that you're buying, look at the ingredient label on the Truvia. It is not just Stevia. So Stevia is a plant, and you can get pure Stevia extract, where it's just coming from the plant. But most of these things that you're buying that are Stevia-based sweeteners have a lot of what's called erythritol or other sugar-based alcohols or these fillers that are absolutely not natural and are just like all the other artificial sweeteners out there. So all that to say, those sweet 
flavors that you're getting from those artificial sweeteners are also contributing to your sugar cravings. It's not that they are all of a sudden, you, okay, you crave something sweet, you're getting this artificial sweetener and now you no longer have a sweet craving. It's actually increasing your body's need for carbohydrates because now your body isn't actually able to turn any of that into energy. So, um, so one of the things that really helped me was taking those artificial sweeteners out of my life because I was the kind of person who needed a sweet treat after every single meal, mm -hmm. pretty much. And the problem becomes when you get reliant on those diet products and diet bars and low carb, low sugar things, I find that they really screwed up my stomach and my digestion. Whenever I have those things, I just don't feel good. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's mental or if it's physiological or both, but after I have a lot of sugar alcohol or whether I have artificial sugars, I don't feel great. And plus, when you take the time to actually taste what you're eating and you're not just downing it or sucking it down because it's something to curb your sweet craving when you actually taste it it doesn't taste good like it's not <laughs> satisfying when you're on the other side of this a quest bar is disgusting oh my like, god disgusting i remember being like these are so good <laughs> in the microwave oh my gosh Tell, like i'm telling you once you get that out of your life nasty um, another thing with artificial sweeteners, a correlation that I found this is like no, I mean, there are specific studies about artificial sweeteners and migraines, but I have found that a lot of my clients who have migraines that take those artificial sweeteners out have a lot less incidence of migraines. And one woman in particular who is super smart, registered nurse, um, very into health, wellness, has always had problems with migraines and she was using these like stevia based sweeteners and was like well i use a natural sweetener and i was like take that out just take it out and she the next time i saw her she was like i haven't had a migraine since i've seen you and i can't remember the last time i've gone two weeks without having a migraine which is just incredible that like nobody knows this and that story i could repeat that probably 15 16 times for other clients so there's something going on there and i know for me i was getting headaches all the time if you're my client and we've talked about this maybe you've heard this story but i um that's what made me take the artificial sweeteners out from the beginning was me getting headaches all the time and realizing like well even though the studies say that all of this is safe obviously it's doing something to my body that my body doesn't enjoy i feel like when we get so hooked on looking at the macronutrients and the calories and things we start to put that over how our body actually feels so you it's easy to ignore the migraines or the digestive distress that you might be having or the constipation or the diarrhea or whatever it is because, oh, look, it's zero carbohydrates. It's so low in calories. It's good for me. The studies say it's good for me. But you just lose touch with your body. And then that only perpetuates that cycle we were talking about earlier, where you don't trust your body to tell you what it needs because you're ignoring it. You're neglecting it. And I've seen some studies that show that they, they compared people who drank like regular soda and people who drank diet soda. And the purpose of drinking the diet soda was to have less calories, right? But those people actually had more calories in a day than the people who just drank the regular soda. And that right there tells me that it, that's increasing your cravings for other foods or for just more energy when you're drinking that diet soda. And that's not to say switch from diet soda to regular soda, neither is good. But if you think you're doing something good for your body by switching to diet, I would challenge that. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think I saw in that study too that the people who were drinking more diet sodas, what was it, like two a day, they ended up weighing more as well? Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep, yep. 
And I, yeah, I mean, it, it's just kind of a testament to, okay, wh- what does your body need? How are you reacting to things? Does that actually taste good? Or do you just use it as a crutch? And are you blaming a sugar addiction to your own food choices? And I think our, our point in bringing that whole artificial sweetener thing up is like, that is not the answer of if you feel like you are addicted to sugar or you're eating too much sugar just to switch everything over to these artificial sweeteners. That's, that's again, that's like almost just avoiding the problem, sweeping it under the rug. Like we need to face this sugar thing head on. You need to be able to be in situations where you can be around birthday cake, you can be around cupcakes, you can be around chocolate chip cookies and not necessarily abstain from them but feel very comfortable in that situation to either have it if you want it don't if it's not appealing to you don't feel like you have to have it and not eat 10 of them but have one and be satisfied from it and not have these be consumed with thoughts of should I eat it should I not eat it? oh my god how many calories are in this how many carbohydrates in there how much sugar is in it if I eat this I'm not gonna be able to stop eating sugar all day and on and on and on I think a good question to ask yourself if you are wondering if you have a unhealthy or an unhealthy relationship with sugar is to think about a food that you might consider to be your sweet indulgence, like a food that you might think you may have little control over. And imagine that in your kitchen. Would you be able to walk past it and go for something else more nutritious and just kind of enjoy it when you want it? Or if that was in your kitchen, would that be something you obsess about and think about and taunt yourself with all day long? And if you feel obsessed over a certain food, if it's in your house or in your office, that's when you need to look at your diet as a whole and look at your relationship with food and start to play detective and say, what can I change? What things can I start to modify so I can feel more relaxed around quote unquote triggering foods? And trust me, if you've never been at the point where you felt relaxed around these foods, we can get you to that point. It's very possible. We can get you to that point. And I know it's hard to imagine that being in the place where you are right now, maybe. But you know, I had a client that was not fueling her body in the right way at all, regardless of how healthy she thought she was and how many diets she had done before. And I'm not talking somebody going through McDonald's drive through I'm talking somebody eating healthy foods but obviously there were a lot of glaring things that were missing from what she was eating she had been going through a therapist the therapist told her she had a sugar and a food addiction this this client did not really trust me right out the gate to do the things and a lot of the things that we we had already talked about like you know starting to incorporate more carbohydrates actually not fasting she was on this crazy fasting program i didn't want her to do that anymore she said this is the only thing that works for me so, and her therapist actually told her like, well, maybe this isn't the right dietitian for you because she just doesn't have experience working with people with food addictions. And so I was like, okay, cool. I get it. I get where you're coming from. But what if you just trusted me? Because what you're doing right now is not working. It's not working. And so taking her from there where she didn't trust me at all, was very deathly afraid of carbohydrates, was deathly afraid of allowing herself to eat over the day and had was wanted to just keep her intake within a very short number of hours in the day because she didn't trust herself around food. So by relaxing those rules and really focusing on incorporating some of those carbohydrates, I can tell you now she's had this, <laughs> she keeps this um, plastic bag in her purse where like, when she would go to like the dentist or the doctor or over to her friend, the next door um, 
the next office they were keeping candy so wherever like she would get candy normally and be like oh my god i have to have it she puts it in this little plastic baggie in her purse and she carries that around with her all the time and she's had this thing for months and it just keeps getting bigger she brings it to my office every time and shows it to me she's like look i got this bag of candy here and i don't want it at all like it does not bother me at all to have this candy in my purse and i used to be like oh my god see sugar eat sugar see it gotta eat it and she's amazed at how different her life feels not having that constant like push to go eat it now she's had these times where you know she's gone and eaten a donut fine it's not a big deal but she also talked about when she was eating that donut the people that she was with were like we gotta eat all the donuts now and they went and they got like six different donuts from all these different types of places and she was like meh Eh, I'm not really not really into that it's not really my thing so you can be on the other side of this even if it feels like something that's really overwhelming right now and you can't control yourself I would bet that you can yep agreed agreed it's funny when you say those stories because I think of clients too and I remember I had this one client tell me one of the most empowering things for her was realizing that she had this box of oatmeal cookies, which was her favorite. I don't get it. I'm not an oatmeal cookie. I'm like chocolate chip all the way. But she let it go stale in her pantry. She's like, I went for one and it was stale and I couldn't believe it. And she's so funny because she'll send me texts. She's like, last night I had mashed potatoes and normally I would feel really guilty about it and I would have probably had like four servings of mashed potatoes. But last night I let myself have them. I had a normal portion and I felt good about it. And it's like that with any kind of food. So if yeah. you feel addicted to pasta if you feel addicted to bread if they put the chip basket in front of you at a mexican restaurant and you black out it is possible (laughs) that was me (laughs) it's possible to overcome that and feel more relaxed around food and it's kind of like a whole new way of living i mean it, it really just makes your life a lot better because both megan and i we talk about it we've been on that restrictive dieting phase and it's easy to think that it's easy to always want to go back to oh maybe i should track this or maybe i should Mm -hmm. implement this new diet and maybe i should start putting rules around what i'm eating again but resisting that temptation to do that pays off in the long run because if you're having those feelings there's something else going on that you have to address agreed well we're gonna wrap this podcast up but if you have more questions about sugar or food addiction we can help just reach out to us i think the easiest place to reach out to both of us because where we both monitor it, you know, randomly throughout the day is Instagram. So you can DM us at nutrition.awareness on Instagram. And if you want to learn more about us, we also have a website because we'd be fancy like that. It's orlandodietitian.com. I'll also link that in the show notes. And Kate, you should also talk about your course because you did an entire course on sugar. You're right. You're right. Yep. (laughs) I did a crush sugar cravings course. So if you're hearing all this stuff and you're like, okay, this sounds great. I don't really understand. I have this course on our website. You can get it right now. In this course, you're going to learn the physiological tactics that we teach our clients to implement to overcome sugar cravings, how to eat, how to structure your meals, how to front load your nutrition so you're not succumbing to those crazy sugar binge urges at 3 p.m. or after dinner, whenever you have them. And then I also talk a little bit about lifestyle changes and mindset changes to make sure that you are good to go for the rest of your life when it comes to having a healthy relationship with sugar. So make sure you check that out on our website. It's under the products and then you click courses tab. Yep. So if you're not necessarily ready to work one-on-one with a dietitian, I think that would be a good stepping stone to, um, to kind of open the door 
to helping yourself with these sugar cravings or so-called sugar addiction quote unquote addiction (laughs) all right we're gonna wrap this up because we got short to do but (laughs) thanks guys for listening if you like this be sure to share it on instagram it really helps us grow the podcast share it with a friend that's our fee all right bye for now bye hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, keep it real and keep it healthy.